All right, well, if you're wondering why we were going to three services, look around. And so we're excited. Anybody else excited about that? How many of you guys are planning on going to the 8.30 service? Let me hear from you. All right. That last service, it was almost everyone. So it's kind of interesting to see how that's going to break down. But man, we're incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you with us today, especially if you're a guest with us. We're honored to have you with us. And I've got something specific to say to you in just a few moments. But I want to do something really quick, kind of to piggyback on something Josiah already mentioned. And that was what happened last week. Sometimes I think it's good to slow down and appreciate and even marinate in what God is doing and has, has done. And so last week was nothing short of a movement of the Holy Spirit in this place. And for those of you that didn't get to join us, uh, I really am sorry that you weren't here to experience that. Uh, we practiced the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance last week by writing out confessions on a piece of flash paper and then dropping them into fire pits. How many of you guys know it's gonna be a powerful Sunday when pyrotechnics are in the house? Come on. Um, and I just want to follow up with that by saying a few things. Number one, uh, it was moving for me to watch that as your pastor. Um, I was watching some of you like physically shaken, uh, knowing that you were ready to come forward with something that maybe you've hidden for a while. And for some of you, it took a lot of courage and boldness to write down what you wrote down. And I pray, I'll pray in a moment what I prayed last week, and that is that that won't be an empty exercise that that's something that you're ready to follow through on, that you're continuing to process through that with your heavenly father and maybe in areas where it's necessary to invite accountability uh, into your life. Um, there's something that's really healing about confessing and getting that stuff, getting that junk out of us. And so for those of you that did that and took that seriously, um, I'm proud of you. I really am I'm proud of you. And I would encourage you to continue practicing the ongoing ethics of confession and repentance in your own lives. But can we also take a moment really quick and celebrate together the 12 baptisms that happened last week? Wow, yeah. None of those were scheduled. Those were people that were moved in the moment to come forward and we had conversations with them behind the scenes back here, uh, backstage and uh, man, how moving and incredible that was. And I've got a story to tell out of that a little bit, a little bit later, but um, a statement I'm gonna make over and over today is this. Uh, every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every single story matters to God. And it should matter to us. It should matter to us. And we should celebrate every time we see life change happen in Jesus. It should never get old. And every now and then somebody will ask me, hey, why do you make such a big deal about baptism uh, in your church? To which I would say, well, the Bible makes a big deal about baptism. And so that's the easy answer. But there's a particular scripture I would point to that in my mind brings the power of baptism to the light. I want to read it to you. It's in Romans chapter 6, where Paul says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism. Let me pause there for a second. You've heard me explain this if you've been coming for any amount of time. It's one of the most beautiful uh, symbolic ways that baptism shows our commitment and what's really transpiring because when you go underneath the water, it's a sign of a burial. Like when you go underneath the water, you're dying to your way of life only to come out of the water to walk a new life with Christ. Now, we don't teach in this church that baptism is what saves you. A repentant heart is what saves you, per what Romans 10 says. But 
That is a necessary obedience step that we're commanded to take. And it's beautiful. There's nothing else that even comes close to representing how you're sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus than being obedient in the waters of baptism. Let me finish here. So, uh, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so maybe you were here last week and you felt kind of an urge to come forward, but you fought that off. Or maybe you're hearing this right now for the first time and you're thinking, you know what, that's not a step that I've taken in my faith. And I love Jesus and I'm committed, but I've just not made that step. If that's you, I wanna encourage you before you leave today, come grab one of these white, white towels on either side of the stage and, and carry it out to next steps in the docks. And we would love to talk to you about that and next steps you can take in your walk with Jesus. Sound good? Well, let me pray for us. I wanna pray again just for what we experienced last week and then over our morning together. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you knowing that we can be made new. Knowing that our lives don't have to live in the past of mistakes and regrets and even sin, that when we hand those things over to you, that you forgive us. And so, Father, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can walk in new life with him. We thank you that we don't have to hide our brokenness one of the things I love about this church, God, and the culture you've helped create here is just the spirit of vulnerability and transparency because we're all broken and in need of you. It just looks a little different for each of us. And so, Lord, as we brought those confessions to the table last week, uh, I pray that you show us how we continue to walk in the freedom of some of those things and that we would be reminded that you have given us everything that we need to do what you've asked us to do. Thank you for that promise. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said Amen. Well, today we're kicking off a new series called Plus One that we'll be in over the next six weeks. And I would communicate it this strongly, that the next six weeks will be six of the most critical weeks in the life of this church, to which you're probably wondering why, and I will get to that in just a few moments. But one of the things that I want us to think about as we approach this series is that it's going to be a series on faith. And it's especially going to be a series for those who would say, this is my church home, this is family. And you would say that you love this church. And on that note, let me pause and let me talk to those of you that are maybe just here for the first time. Checking this out for the first time, maybe you've been here a couple weeks now, you're still wondering if this is the right church for you. Maybe we could say that it's kind of like we're in the dating relationship right now, right? And you're still wondering, it's like, hey, does their breath stink? Is there any secrets that I need to know about? You know, do they chew with their mouth open? And so this is what I would tell you. If you like it, then you got to put a ring on it. No, I'm, that's, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. Uh, every analogy breaks down somewhere, it doesn't. I just took it too far. Uh, here's what I would tell you. If you are new and you're curious, could this be my church home? Here's what I want to tell you. Uh, first, take as much time as you need. Take as much time as you need. And I would tell you this, and people who've been coming here long enough would tell you that I mean this, and I'm sincere with this um, proposition for you. If you wanna meet with me personally to talk through some things, I'm available. And unfortunately, I get that there's more suspicion around church today than there once was because of the things that you've personally experienced, because of things that you've seen in the headlines or on social media, uh, people in my position with just great moral failures. And so if you wanna sit down and talk through and process through some things, I'm available. And here's another thing you need to know from me. I'm not gonna sell you this church. Uh, I know this is not the church for everyone. 
And so my job is not to sell you this church. And so if this is not what you're looking for, if you're looking for a different style of church, there's a lot of styles of church that are all fine and within the kingdom of God and how we exercise the body of Christ, living out as the body of Christ. And so if you're looking for something different, I have got great friends who are lead pastors of churches that are incredible all over this city. And so maybe I could point you in the right direction if this, this maybe is not the church for you. Sound good? Now, I say all of that and I preface with all of that because I really do want to talk today to those of you that would say, I love this church. This is my church. It's home. It's family. This is why you show up every single Sunday. It's why you serve. It's why at times you sacrificially give because this church has been a significant part of your faith journey. Something has happened within your time in this church that has caused you to feel the presence of God, maybe in a way that you never have. Uh, maybe it's been significant in the life of your kids. Maybe it's been significant in the life of your marriage. And so you would say, man, we love this church. We are all in. And I wanna let you know that this series primarily is for you. This series primarily is for those of you that would say, yeah, I'm all in. Where are we going, Aaron? Where, are we where, where do you feel like God has taken us? Which is what this Plus One Vision series is all about. And to give you a little bit more idea, of an idea of where we're going, uh, I put together this video, so check this out. So a little over six years ago, we started Trace Church at Liberty High School. And a lot of people don't know that. And we were fully expecting to be there uh, for about five years because that's the natural trajectory of a church plant. You end up renting a space like a school or something like it, and you start building your teams and building the giving in hopes that about five years in that you'll be able to go uh, and find a more permanent space, maybe a 24-7 space that you can lease. And I'm still fond of those memories at Liberty High School. That's where Emily and I even got to baptize our oldest daughter. But God had something different in mind because it wasn't five years. It was actually only nine months that we were at that school. And then God orchestrated some conversations with the right people at the right time, you know how he does that. And we were able to come over and check out this space here off of Mark Dabbling and work out a deal that actually we could afford. And just in nine months time of being a church plant, we moved over here to the space that we're currently in. Now, if you were with us then, then you know it didn't look then like it looks now. And so when we got here, we knew we were gonna have to roll up our sleeves and get to work, which is exactly what we did. And I would tell you that it was through a lot of hard work and some incredible people that we were able to create the space that we now get to experience each and every week. Maybe some of you heard me say this, but every time I get to mention this, it's an honor to say that we were able to do all of this without ever borrowing a dime. Up until now, we've never borrowed a dime as a church. And in this space, we have seen incredible life change happen at the feet of Jesus. We have seen countless, like literally hundreds of people surrender their lives to Jesus in this space. We've seen people come here with addictions that have now been overcome. We have seen people come with spiritual abuse and church hurt, and they're coming here almost as an asylum to get away from maybe what they once experienced, and they're finally finding healing in this place. And it's been incredible. And I would tell you that everything was going really good until COVID. COVID has often been described as a lot of things, but in the context of church, I've heard it described as the great revealer because it brought to the surface what was existing for a lot of churches just underneath the radar. 
For instance, for me personally, I would tell you that COVID revealed something in me that I was probably not paying enough attention to. You see, I learned that I was getting maybe too caught up in the idol of audience, that I was showing up too often thinking about how many people would be in this room versus what I needed to be sharing with the people in this room. So what do you do when everybody stops showing up? Well, it caused me to go back to my heavenly father and kind of revisit the calling in my life of what it means to be a pastor, what, what he had called me to do regardless of who's in the room or how many people showed up. And there was a statement that got, that got cemented in my mind during that time. And many of you have heard me share this. And that is that one of my greatest callings as your pastor is to educate, equip and empower you to stand firm in the gospel where you live, work, and play no matter what happens. And so after COVID, we really didn't know what was going to happen, but we kept being faithful. We kept showing up and we were faithful in the calling that God had put on our lives as a church and the mission that we were very clear about. We just didn't know how it was going to unfold after COVID. And to all of our surprise, we started to grow. And in this last year, where a lot of churches have struggled to get back to where they were pre-COVID, we have grown by 40%. We have baptized over 100 people in this calendar year alone. In the last 12 months, we have been able to, to save $1.2 million, which begs the question, maybe, maybe God has got something more in store than what we've experienced up till now in this little church. Maybe, maybe all of us, if we're not careful, will end up settling for less than what God has for us, including what he wants to accomplish in and through Trace Church in the city of Colorado Springs. I would say that we often settle for less. Or if I could say that differently, that we were all made for more than what we often settle for. And so that leads us to today. Over the next two years, we've got a big challenge in front of us. Over the next two years, we, we want to save $2 million, more than what we already have, so that we would have a total of 3.2 million. By doing that, that's going to position us for a $10 million project to be able to build a 750 seat to a thousand seat worship center with an incredible lobby where community will be cultivated and will continue to build the family that God has started here. Because I would tell you, just based on what I've already seen God do, that his story, the story that he wants to tell through Trace Church is not done yet. And it might be a lot bigger than what we think it is. And so I'm gonna ask that you would lock arms with us. I'm gonna ask that you would join with me and more importantly than that, I would ask that you would join with Jesus in his mission to bring one more lost person home. We're gonna do this one story at a time. We're gonna do this one invitation at a time, one sacrifice at a time, and each of us has the potential to do it with one person at a time. And so I wanna invite you to lock arms with us because I believe if we all do this together, we will accomplish something significant. Anybody else thankful for the story God is telling in this place? <clears throat> And you don't know how wrinkly you are until you see your mug on a 25-foot screen. Come, Lord Jesus. 
Some of you guys may be wondering right now, well, Aaron, does that mean this is going to be like an entire series on money and giving? And it's not. Um, This is a series on faith. And over the course of the next six weeks, I want to invite us to give God an opportunity to stretch our faith, to grow our faith. I want us to invite God to give us a deeper sense of burden. This is what we're gonna talk about today. I wanna invite God to give us a deeper sense of burden for those that don't know Jesus, a greater sense of urgency for those that have not received the saving grace of Christ. I want us to become more aware and available for the Holy Spirit's promptings in our life. We're gonna talk about that next week. I want us to become more devoted, each of us, to the word of God. And I want us to grow in generosity at a level that we have never experienced in the six and a half years that we have been a church. Guys, ultimately what I want to see is us broadening our reach, expanding our reach and elevating our influence to reach one more person. For Jesus, it's gonna happen one story at a time, one invite at a time, one sacrifice at a time, and every single one of us has the potential to do it with one person at a time, plus one. And that really does lead me to what I wanna talk about today. Because as we begin this plus one vision series together, I want us to begin by being reminded of what's at stake. That the fact that when people don't have the saving grace of Jesus in their life, they are eternally separated from God. I wanna share with you some words from Jesus from Matthew 25 that should be sobering for each and every one of us. He says this, when the son of man, which is another way to refer to him as the Christ, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And can I just pause there for a moment? We're gonna be teaching a series on heaven after this series leading up to Easter. I'm excited for that. But guys, I am convinced that there's a moment that awaits all of us that have put our faith in Jesus where when we close our eyes for the very last time on this earth, only to open them in the glory and presence of an almighty God, we will wish that we could go back and use more of our influence and to give more of our lives over to God, to be more bold in our faith, to speak up like we talked about last week, speak up more often about the person that we love more than anything else in this world. And there's coming a time and there's coming a day where that time and that influence will no longer be available to us. And so all we have right now is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. And as someone that actually has to preside over people, when they close their eyes for the very last time, it comes more quickly than we think. All we have is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. In verse 41, Jesus says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That should be sobering for each and every one of us to hear and read this morning, which is why I wanna begin this plus one series with this prayer. God, would you give us a holy discontent? Another way to say that is an unsettling in our spirit. Would you give us a holy discontent for those who don't know Jesus yet? 
God, would you increase the urgency inside of us to go after people that don't know about the saving grace of Jesus, that you would create an urgency within us knowing that our time is just limited, a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity is all we have. One of the ways that we say this as a staff is don't lose the burden. It's become kind of a cultural distinctive for us as a staff. And I would tell you and confess to you this morning that the longer that you're in ministry, like vocational ministry, the easier it is to get so caught up in the minutia of the details and all the administration to where you start losing sight of the very people that God has called you to serve. Because there's a lot of work, if you don't know this, behind the scenes to make all this happen each and every week and all the other ministries that we facilitate and put together. And so I've been talking to my staff about this. It's something we've been saying and repeating over and over. Don't lose the burden. And I would tell you this, that the longer that you follow Jesus, I believe the more subjected that you potentially come to drift, to drifting away from the mission of what you're called to be, who you're called to be and what you're called to do as a follower of Jesus. And sometimes what happens is some people, maybe even a lot of people, they start settling for pseudo-Christianity. And pseudo-Christianity could look like consumeristic Christianity, where it becomes maybe a personal mantra in consumeristic Christianity would be, what's in this for me? <laughs> what's in this for me? Or maybe cultural Christianity where it's like Christian by name only, and when you start paying attention to your life, do you, seem, do, do you feel yourself bringing Jesus with you into your workplace? Do you, do you see yourself showing your family and your kids that Jesus is the foundation of your family? Do you hear yourself speaking of Jesus around friends or maybe that group of friends specifically? See, if we're not careful, we, we will naturally start to drift into what feels more comfortable. And we start settling for these pseudo aspects of Christianity. And I would tell you that goes against the very nature of Jesus, especially this idea of being a consumeristic Christian. There was a point in Jesus's ministry where two of his disciples were starting to make it a little bit too much about themselves. And Jesus notices this and he calls them out. And I'm gonna paraphrase, but he says, guys, you know how the rest of the world kind of leverages their influence for their own personal gain? Like they see what they can get out of other people and they kind of make life a lot about themselves. And then he looks at him, he says these four words, not so with you, not so with you, not so with you. And just so you know, we're a not so with you kind of church. And then Jesus follows that up with saying, I didn't, come to serve. I didn't come to be served, guys. I came to serve. Now follow my example. Can I take a time out there really quick? Next week, um, we're kicking off three services. And I would tell you that we don't feel fully prepared for it quite yet. And we need several more people to step up and join serve teams, specifically with our hospitality team and our kids team. And so can I ask you to strongly consider that today? And if you're ready, like you love this church, this church has been significant in your life already, and you're ready to kind of step up and help us out, would you, would you be willing, and you'll get it before we leave today, you'll see a QR code jump up on the screen, and we'll, we'll have you scan that and start filling out the serve team application. Because here, here's what burdens me when I think about that, when I think about not being prepared. I've done this long enough to know that there's gonna be a single mom come in our church here really soon. And it was everything that she could do to get in through the doors today. And maybe this is you today. 
It was everything that she could do to get her kids ready to get into the church. And she's wondering, is this, is this even something that I can commit to? Is this something that, I, can, I, can I even make this happen? And I wanna give her every reason to come back. I wanna give her every reason to see how her kids or kid loves Trace Kids because of your willingness to step up and allow everybody that walks through the doors of this church to feel seen and to feel known. I would tell you that I've done this long enough that I know somebody's gonna walk through our doors in the coming weeks and months and they're subconsciously asking themselves a question. It's the first time that they've been to the church in a long time or maybe it's the first time they've ever been to church and they're asking themselves these kind of questions. If these guys really knew who I was, would I be welcome here? I mean, if they really knew my story, if they knew how broken and messed up my life is, would I really feel welcome here? What am I even doing here? Should I even turn around and, and leave like right now? And I pray that as they walk up to our doors that we have such an incredible welcome team smiling. Some of you guys have been told your whole life, you got a beautiful smile. Use that for the glory of God. Get out there and smile at people. Don't be weird about it, but get out there and <laughs> smile at people, right? Welcome. Hey, do you know where you're going? Can I walk with you? Hopefully some of you guys have experienced that in the life of this church already. Would you help us? Would you help us to make sure that everybody that comes through the doors of this church feels seen, feels known, and if necessary, feels heard. Sound good? All right, time back in. That was a timeout. Trace, if we are confused at all about our calling as followers of Christ, let me clear it up for us this morning. We are to pay forward the grace that we have been given. That's our calling. We're to pay forward the grace that we have been freely given. It didn't come cheap. It came at the other end of Jesus' life, but it was a free gift given to you through Jesus. We are to pay forward the grace that we have been given. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how we need to pay attention to the generational dysfunction in our family's life so that we don't pay that forward. And sometimes if we're not careful, we do pay forward the pain that we've been dealt, don't we? Let's not, let's not do that. Instead of paying forward the pain that we've been dealt, let's pay forward the grace that we've been given. Amen? Let's pay forward the graciousness that God has shown us in the midst of our own brokenness. In our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity, our mission is to join with Jesus to bring one more lost person home to the Father at a time. And do we all understand that there will become a point where that time will run out? It'll run out on the people that we hope to reach and it will run out for ourselves. God, give us a holy discontent, a holy discontent for those that don't know Jesus yet. May we drop to our knees more often for the sake of people that don't yet know you. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a mom or dad, maybe it's a sister or brother, that we would drop to our knees more often, feeling this sense of urgency that we could reach just one more person for Jesus. Yesterday I had a neighbor come up to me and uh, it's first time meeting him, he just moved into his house, a couple doors down, he was coming to borrow a tool and we struck up a conversation and he said, uh, he said, so hey, what do you do? I'm like, all right, here we go. Here's, how's this gonna go? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, that's it. <laughs> and I said, and this is the question I've often encouraged you guys to use. I said, so do you do the church thing? He's like, nope. I'm like, all right, shut down. We'll stop that from there. 
And so, but here's what I am gonna do. I'm gonna pray for him. He's not gonna become an agenda for me. I'm gonna love him because he's my neighbor and I'll let him borrow tools if he'll bring them back. <laughs> and so, but I'm gonna pray for him. Maybe one day he'll walk through the doors of that church, our church. I pray he does. Guys, I pray that God would give us a deeper sense of urgency for those that don't know Jesus yet. There was actually a moment in the life and ministry of Jesus where he recognized that the believers of his day had actually lost sight of the people that they were called to serve and love. And they began to close themselves off from people that were far from God, often just labeling them as sinners because it's a lot easier to d dismiss people when you just label them. And it's like, yeah, you, you, you're kind of over there in that crowd and that group. And so, yeah, we're, we're not interested in messing with that group. And he notices this. And so he decides to share with them a parable. Many of you will be familiar with this, but I would encourage you to listen to it with fresh ears this morning. In Luke chapter 15, he says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Jesus hears this. So he tells them in a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If there were ever a moment in the life of Jesus, if there were ever a scripture that really highlighted his priority, it's this one. Let me paraphrase it differently and let me speak as if I'm telling this parable in more, maybe more of a modern way and I'm gonna speak as if I'm Jesus, okay? So bear with me. If there were 299 people in a church, which there's probably more than that in here right now, but if there were 299 people in a church and all of them loved me and they were devoted to me and they were saved by the grace that I had given them by repenting and putting their faith in me, but there was one person outside the doors, one man, one woman, who didn't know me, who hadn't received the saving grace that only I can offer, just so we're clear, I'm going after them. I'm going after them. And to an outside world who's never heard this text, has never heard this parable, to somebody brand new to the church hearing that, you gotta kind of empathize with them. It sounds crazy. <laughs> That sounds crazy. Wait a minute, Jesus, you would leave 299 people that love you, that are devoted to you, that have given their life to you, to go after somebody that doesn't love you, that's not devoted to you? Yeah, I would. And to be clear, it doesn't mean that you're not important. It doesn't mean that obviously you're not important to Jesus and by all means, it doesn't mean that you're not important to this church. You don't know this right now, but behind the scenes, one of our number one initiatives is putting something in place called a faith growth track where we want to come alongside of each and every one of you to develop your faith, to continue to show you what another step in Jesus looks like. 
And so discipleship is incredibly important to us. But the priority, we exist for those that are not yet a part of the body of Christ. It was Jesus' priority, and it was our, it will be our priority. And here's the crazy thing, if you want to know what's really crazy. Sometimes Christians get mad at churches when they're too focused on lost people. But when that person is someone that you love, when it's your kid, when it's your child that you've been praying for for years, when that person is your husband, when that person is you, that the church was willing to do everything in its power to come after you. And just so you know this, that was me. That was me. I was the messy, broken person outside of the doors of a church that oftentimes was judged by Christians because I was doing some stupid stuff. I was making a lot of mistakes, but it was somebody who followed the example of Jesus that came after me of why I'm standing in front of you today. Last summer, um, uh, I was out fishing with a friend of mine and we were up in Cheeseman Canyon and we were there most of the day into late in the evening. It was starting to be twilight and we started to get ready and we were leaving and he lets me know that we're about to run out of gas. Now, to help me win an argument or to settle an argument, um, should any 40-year-old man ever run out of gas? <laughs> I love you. I'm not gonna look too closely at him. He's in here right now. He still comes to the church. He might not after today. But um, we ran out of gas, and so we made it into Deckers, and some of you guys are familiar with the area, maybe others are not, but we made it into Deckers, and flagged down this guy who uh, picked us up, incredibly gracious, and he spent about two hours of his time, again, late in the evening, uh, spent about two hours of his time helping us get into uh, Woodland Park, getting some gas, getting back, made a couple other trips. I won't even get it. I'm, I'm sparing you right now. Um, and I'm trying not to point in your directions either. So, uh, <laughs> And so, as you can imagine, I'll try to make this a little bit shorter. Um, as you can imagine, being in the car for two hours, um, we start talking, and I'm a pastor, and I'm like, hey, do you do the church thing? And uh, he was a believer, but had some unfortunate church experiences like many of you have, and some things that hurt him pretty bad and caused him to kind of distance himself from the church. And I remember him telling me where it's like, hey, these mountains are kind of my church now, and even played me a country song that said as much. And of course, there's a country song that says that, right? Of course. <laughs> and... Uh, and so we talk, and before we're done, we pray for him and hand him an invitation card. And to our surprise, a few weeks later, he comes. He's in here right now, too, with his family. And he comes. And then a week or two later, he brings his wife. And then a week or two later, he brings his son. And I remember the Sunday, I came off stage, and his wife comes up to me. And she looks at me, and she said, thank you for running out of gas to which I said, it wasn't me, it was. <laughs> and last Sunday, their son got baptized. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. 
Every story matters to God and it should matter to us. The church primarily exists for those that are not yet a part of the body of Christ. And if it doesn't bother us or even burden us that people are dying without the promise of salvation, well, let me quote from the famous theologian Ice Cube. (laughs) Better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Had a Beyonce reference this morning, Ice Cube. I'm trying, guys. I really, I really am. (laughs) Jesus says it this way. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. That's the priority. That's the mission. When the religious leaders challenged Jesus for being too focused on people far from God, he had this to say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The reason that I wanted to start our plus one vision with this particular message is to make sure that we start in the right place. Because if we don't start in the right place, we will get stuck in the wrong place. And I watch way too many Christians get stuck in the wrong place. I watch Christians get stuck in knowledge-based discipleship versus obedience-based discipleship. I watch way too many Christians get stuck in these pseudo forms and fashions of Christianity, whether it's cultural Christianity, by being Christian by name only, or consumeristic Christianity, where it's like, hey, what's in this for me? But to be honest with you this morning, there are people in my position who also get stuck in focusing on big numbers, where we just focus on how many people can we get in the church? How big of a building can we go build? How many people actually, you know, can we go make sure we get baptized? To which I would say this, listen, it's not that those things can't be celebrated, but they can't be the main thing. It's not that we don't wanna celebrate uh, big numbers. Last year, we baptized 113 people in the kingdom of God, let's go. 113 people. But we should celebrate just as much for one, just as much. Every single time we see somebody be obedient in the waters of baptism or somebody comes forward and confesses Jesus to be the leader and Lord of their life for the first time, every single time, you've heard me say this before, I want this church to be one that we will give the angels a run for their money because as we just read, they will celebrate over one lost person coming home to the Father, more than 99 people that are already devoted to him. And hopefully you get it and you understand it enough to where it doesn't, it doesn't feel... Like you need to say, well, what about me? And, and, but what about what I need from God? Listen, God's listening to you. He sent Jesus for you. He gave you the only opportunity that was possible and available so that you could go to your heavenly father at any point in time and pray and ask for what you need. Jesus gave you that pathway of prayer. God loves each and every one of, one of us and wants to partner with each and every one of us through the power of his Holy Spirit to continue to take on more of the image of the Son But the priority, the mission, is to bring one more person home to the Father at a time. Because every story matters. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. I wanna share with you a cool story that came out of that phrase. Just leave that up there for me, Jana. A few years back, there was a principal, he still comes here, but there was a principal who was coming to our church and we started using this phrase a lot, a couple years back. And uh, it really moved him. He really 
Like it just did something inside of him and he took it with him back to the school where he is a principal and he started to talk to the teachers about it and then he started talking to the district about it. And ultimately what they did as a district is they made it their mantra for a year that every story matters. Now, this wasn't in D20, and the reason I tell you that is because my kids were in D20 at the time, and my wife, in the, either in the same year or the year after that, uh, went to an assembly for one of our kids, and we were there, and we noticed that the teachers had t-shirts on that said, every story matters. Do you know that you're a part of a church that's influencing public education in the city of Colorado Springs? Yes, you better give it up for that. We are not simply interested we are interested, but not simply interested in building the kingdom of God through this church one person at a time. We are here to change the city of Colorado Springs. Can I hear from you this morning? I want us to elevate our influence. I want us to increase our reach of how many people that we can reach for the glory of God, but not just that, how this church can be an influence for the for the sake of the gospel in education, in the workplace, wherever God will open a door for us, that we would all see that we can leverage our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity in every context that we find ourselves in. It goes back to our mission. We are on mission. If you've never seen it, that's why it's above those doors. We want you to see it every week. We are on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go, and we're always on mission. Always. So here's what I want to do. Um, I'm going to close. And I do want to kind of unfold some logistics for you because there is something coming at the end of this series that I want to give you a heads up about now because we do have a big challenge in front of us, as the video mentioned. And so I want to be really clear about some things. If you're new here to Trace, we do our best to be transparent uh, about what's happening when it comes to finances and different things like that. And again, if you're you're new, uh, feel free to eavesdrop for the next uh, few minutes uh, because this really is for those who call this place home and this is family for us. In one year, almost one year to the date, our lease will end in this building. And this has been a great space for us. Um, our lease will end. And when we came over here, it was underneath a different owner. It's underneath new ownership now. We were able to negotiate an incredible lease and we have about 27,000 square feet here and uh, we negotiated a great lease. We also negotiated a sublease with another church, which makes our rent um, monthly around $20,000 a month. If we have to renew that lease uh, in a year's time, so February of 2024, it goes up to $37,000. At that point, um, we don't feel like it would be good stewardship. And the option is available, and so we've already talked to the owner where if we have to renew our lease, he'll give us kind of you know, a year at a time if we need to renew it. But Trace, I would tell you that we're ready, and we need to get ready. Um, we need to get prepared because I really do feel, especially in this calendar year, that um, the commercial market's gonna change a little bit and some opportunities are gonna come to the table, and we have to get prepared for those opportunities. One of my jobs as your pastor and leader is to make sure that we're getting prepared for where God's taking us next. And so over the course of the next two years, we need to raise, um, it was a little bit different number than what I shared in the video, an additional $2.3 million. What that does is that positions us for a $10 million project, which based on the commercial real estate market and kind of what's happening in Colorado Springs is what we think we're going to need. We need about a 40,000 square foot building. Uh, we're gonna create a 750, 1,000 seat worship center. We wanna create a big lobby. And the reason we keep talking about that is because we want you to hang out. <laughs> 
We want you to stay. We want you to cultivate relationships with each other. We're family. Why don't you just come in and go out? So we want to create bigger spaces where you can hang out and spend time cultivating those relationships. And so here's what's going to happen. At the end of this series, um, we're going to ask that you make a commitment, a two-year giving commitment. And here's the cool thing. This is another way God has provided in just a very unique way for us as a church. There's a very credible Christian lending agency that said that they will let us borrow based on what those commitment cards say. So based on what you put down, I'm willing to commit this much money, but over the next two years, you don't have to give it all then. Over the next two years, I'm going to commit to giving this amount of money. This lending agency will let us borrow based on those commitment cards, which will allow us to be prepared for an opportunity sooner than later. Now, we're not investing in brick and mortar right? It's not about having big fancy buildings. We've got a lot of vision around how those buildings will be used, which I won't get into now. Uh, we're, in, we're investing in one more person coming home to the Father. And we want to expand that reach as, as large and as wide as we possibly can. And so I'm asking for you to partner with us that over the next six weeks, you'll begin praying as a family uh, that you'll sit down and start looking as a family where you can make sacrifices where it's like, hey, if we gave up this, we could start giving this. And I would tell you when our family has gone through this, and by the way, our family is doing this, I'll never ask you to do anything that we're not willing to do ourselves. It is one of the greatest moments for us to kind of bring our kids into a better vision of what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. Hey guys, what if we sacrificed this? What if we gave up this for at least a year and instead gave that money to the church in this plus one vision? This can be an incredibly faith-growing opportunity for you and your family. So if you want to revisit anything that I just said, when you leave today, we're going to hand you a booklet. Uh, that booklet's going to communicate everything that I just said and more. I would encourage you to read over that. We're also going to give you that commitment card to begin praying over today, okay? Let me pray for us right now, and then I'm going to lead us into a time of response. Lord Jesus, we do uh, just thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. And really what that means is we're thankful for the life change that we continue to see, the people that are coming in here and finding hope when sometimes hopelessness is all they've known for the last little bit. Father, for the people that are coming come in here and they feel like they can actually be vulnerable with their brokenness, they don't have to hide from it because we know you can't hide and heal at the same time. And so God, thank you for the story you continue to tell in this church. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity to, to make a big move here and the sacrifices that will be made and how we'll grow together as a family of God as we do this together. God, thank you again. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.